1: Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick three hundred and sixty is back Thursday edition from Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine with Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. Let's get the show on the road. Trey Wallace from Outkick SEC Rider joins us in fifteen minutes. Armando Salguero, senior NFL writer for Outkick.com, he'll be with us. In about an hour and a half, we will touch on the game he'll be covering, like we'll all be watching, in Foxborough as Brady goes back to face the Patriots on Sunday night. And then the Tennessee Power Hour jam-packed with discussion on Derrick Henry, third down usage, plus the Tennessee Volunteers taking on Missouri. Gentlemen, good afternoon. It's a Thursday,
0: boys. You know what that means. A lot of football. Yep. We got a lot of football every day on this show, but especially on Thursdays, I am pumped up about today's lineup uh, with those guys covering SEC and the NFL today, and of course, we'll be talking a little bit about that as well. Paul? We said
2: it kind of felt like Friday, so I think we do two Friday shows. Just race right past. Well, this is Thursday. Chad's Friday. This is Chad's it is. Friday. Congratulations, Chad.
0: I'm, I'm headed out it through the week. Headed out on a bachelor party. Uh, a little bit later today. You're a little old so for that sort, sort of that. thing, but when you have a 40 year old groom. Well, I don't know if you're ever too old to have fun Paul. <laughs> Uh And, and uh, in the spirit of yeah, uh, too broadcasting old here from Sixth and Peabody with Old Smokey Moonshine with Yeehaw Beer, we are confronted with bachelorette parties every day. So I I've felt like. Oh, we're you not know, too look,
2: old for bachelorette parties to go. Let's, but at uh, some point, you gotta,
0: you got to share the wealth. You know, I'm all about equality, so we see all these bachelorette parties. So I said, what the hell? So you're going to I'll go on country. a bachelor party, and we'll take you to Scottsdale, Arizona and bring the bachelor party fun well, there. Scottsdale's to going to be a blast. Godspeed. May you live. Yes. That's, that's my wish for you. Goal number one is uh, life at the end of it. I come back alive. <laughs> I,
2: I heard guess. you'll be putting the girls to bed when you get home. First, uh, yeah.
0: I, I will be uh, definitely doing that, hopefully. After you get home after their bedtime. While I'm alive. Well, the, the, so the bachelor party
1: is is uh, set up to where there will be a big group that goes to play golf. It, it's a great destination if you want to golf. And Chad, it's no golf. Uh, you're right, but that also
0: affords Chad. If this is this tomorrow, when you'll be not be solo. So I'm not going to be so. There's a few of us that aren't going golfing, but, but you'll yes. be able. I'm gonna say this,
1: you'll be able to join us on tomorrow's show while yeah. everyone's out golfing.
0: Yep, awesome. I'm going to come on with you guys tomorrow live uh, on air. They'll be out golfing. Nice, nice. I am at some point tomorrow. The plan is to go and hike Camelback Mountain, which is uh, according to the internet a two to three hour hike round trip to go to the top of Camelback Mountain and then uh, get back to your uh, your landing spot. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Everyone says it's the best view in, in Scottsdale around Phoenix. so uh, I'll be experiencing that, not golfing, and then I'll be experiencing the show with you guys at some point tomorrow.
2: Sounds aspirational.
0: <laughs> you don't uh, think I'll make it. Paul, I get after it much harder than you, you uh, on these trips. <laughs> <You> like <didn't. laughs> I, I have no I, have, I will be just fine hiking three or four miles. Uh, there'll be some sweat, I'm sure happening, some toxins being released, and that'll be just fine uh I, it's gonna be okay i'm gonna do it
1: i remember the speaking of three or four miles the first time i took uh, uh, claire got me a bike this was uh oh, this was 10 years ago now probably and i was telling paul about my first ride he goes oh how, how far would you go and i'm like uh two or three miles he's like that's it two or three miles i'm like yeah <laughs> i got tired after two or three miles
0: I, uh, Every time I'd, I'd tell still be Paul, lucky to do two or three I'd miles. I tell Paul I slept six to seven hours last night. Paul's like, "That's it? <laughs> six, yeah. to seven, six to seven? Not, no, I would ride further 11 and,
2: and sleep longer." I uh, I'm just glad for you that Camelback Mountain is not the sort of place that has <laughs> sunglass stores along the way. <laughs> Otherwise, you would really well, leave your it's funny. your trail.
0: How many are you bringing? I have these sunglasses here. Try them uh, on. These, these Which Maui will be gems. lost Let's on the flight. Probably. Well, I've had these for a uh, couple of years, years. So. These will be Hope lost on the like flight. Did yeah. you buy
2: these in New Orleans? These are the Maui's. Oh, these are the Maui Gems. Yeah, that's an yeah. expensive pair. Of yeah, geez. absolutely. I don't want that's to lose these. I don't want to lose those my are the classics. life. classics. Or, or these Maui
0: Gems <laughs> while in Arizona. That's the goal. So these are Maui <laughs> those gems. Are badass. So hopefully, Paul, I put these on and show these to you because <laughs> I have them out because I did not want to forget them. <laughs> he'll also be wearing those on Monday. I don't want to buy extra. Yeah, he'll
2: also be wearing those on Monday.
0: Let's show. display
1: them on the on the table today. For those watching uh, the the program, yeah. you can tune in on YouTube, on Twitter, just follow us at Outkick360. Uh, also the link is out on Facebook as well. Just uh, follow our page there. And if you're listening in Florence and in, in Huntsville and Muscle Shows, Fox Sports Shows, Fox Sports Knoxville. We, we invite you to go on
0: Twitter so you can see the display of see all the chat sunglasses.
2: He's also going to be wearing these for Monday's show as he recovers from yeah. the weekend.
0: <laughs> I may be wearing them uh, on air with you guys tomorrow in my head. If I'm by a pool, I'll be wearing those sunglasses. Well, I, I hope think you, are. you should I take your,
2: you. Your, uh, your phone up to Camelback and
0: join yeah, us Yeah, I'm going to snap a couple pictures up there. Up there. I'll join snap a, a couple join pictures. us from
2: up there. <laughs> Look How's at the Paul. signal from
0: Paul here? looks very <laughs> Matrix-like It knows more so than me. <laughs> How you doing? Read your thoughts.
2: Mine aren't too far off these. Like, I know
1: those, those are expensive sunglasses. This I know. They're very I, loose. They, so get them
0: tightened yeah, up. I need to get them tightened they up. They make
1: you right. look like uh, you're blind. Like I thought, <laughs> I thought that for a straight second. Up when I put them on, like, I yeah. thought they were kind of a for real For someone who just Charles's. tuned in on YouTube yeah. for the first time and saw Chad sitting here, they like, oh, man, how great is it that they have a blind host <laughs> on radio?
0: Maybe that's what I'm going for. Maybe I'm going for sympathy when I wear them. <laughs> I want to wear these and everyone to think that I'm blind. Well,
2: he was talking about the bachelorette parties and some of those uh, – are blind blinding. Who's your blind friend?
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's not blind, those are just really dark sunglasses. Where's, where's your stick? Uh, stick, yeah, the blind stick. Oh, well, I thought you were talking about <laughs> Jacob Swanson's stick that he was offered the magic wand. The shaft
1: is gone. I don't know where the shaft disappeared to.
0: <laughs> somebody stole
1: uh, it. Yeah, someone's
0: somebody, somebody
2: busted in here and
1: with all this valuable equipment. They stole right.
0: our uh magic wand. We plenty of shaft available. In Arizona. <laughs> I know that for sure. <laughs> Helmet, All right. And, Helmet City. I mean, it was insane. really just a, a slow-pitch softball thrown in the Why, air by you was guys. What the name of that mountain again? <laughs> Camelback. Camelback, just to be clear. Chad will be hiking Brokeback over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. yes. They're converting it. Funny enough, Jake Gyllenhaal is actually on this bachelor party this weekend. Good friend of ours. He spent some time in Mount Juliet growing up. Fabulous Crazy. actor. Yes. <laughs> you do one scene. Yep. I was gonna make a Heath Ledger joke, but he's dead. So <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately I couldn't do that. I don't want to speak ill of the dead. Well you guys That's mean,
2: usually my department.
0: Chad yeah. will Chad will not <laughs> be Paul usually calls out people that we don't we all knew Heath Ledger was dead As a difference. You usually joke about someone who's dead that we all didn't we're all asking oh, who was is that person alive? Yeah. Who was the most recent one?
1: I forgot. It was an actor, right?
0: I don't remember who it was, but it happens a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: No, but I often come in and there's a celebration of somebody that died, like a broadcaster, and I'll be like, yeah, I just can't get over that call he made. That that really bugged me.
1: Uh, Tonight, we will see Joe Buck on the call for Bengals-Jaguars, Thursday night football. Bengals favored by 7.5. Joe Burrow, by the way, you can go to FanDuel.com right now, FanDuel.com slash OK360, and uh, there is a, a boost available for you. Burrow with one passing touchdown in each half. You get plus one seventy on those odds against Jacksonville this evening. Uh, maybe I'm betting
2: fifty bucks. Take, uh given the points,
1: taking uh, Cincy minus seven and a half. Yes. Yeah, they're at home. They're a little banged up okay. um, on offense. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not the the, the injuries don't bu- bug me. T. Higgins is one of them, um, but Jamar Chase is playing. Joe Burrow's playing, and they have a run game with Joe Mixon. Uh, this is the first matchup with two national championship winning quarterbacks in college since 2009. It has been that long since we've seen two championship winning quarterbacks go head to head in the NFL. Who were
2: they in 2009?
1: Bench Young and Matt Leinart faced each wow. other. Wow. It's been wow. that long. Isn't that crazy? And this is only the third time that two quarterbacks have faced each other in a national championship and then faced each other in the NFL. Of course, one of them is Vince Young, Matt Leinert from the Rose Bowl. Um, Ken Dorsey and Craig Krenzel are on this list. They faced each other in the NFL. And Michael Vick and Chris Winkie.
0: Craig Krenzel started in the NFL? Yeah. Started for the Bears. For the Bears. That's right. Yeah, I Titans. remember that now. Yeah, they beat the Titans. starting
2: for the Bears. Here's another odds boost on FanDuel because I'm just on there. Jamar Chase, to record the most receiving yards in the game, has gone from plus 220 to plus 260
0: if you're a big believer in, in him. Have you guys ever won one of the suggested parlays at FanDuel?
1: One out of every four is, okay. is probably my hit rate, but I don't do it that often. I don't do
0: it, don't it that know. often, but I am over. Any Anytime they suggest something, I, I should probably put two and two together. <laughs> but it's like usually a baseball in-game parlay, and it's for like three or four people to get a hit, for a run uh, a run spread to happen, for a strikeout limit to happen, and it's a huge payout. If you get it, is, it uh, but so I, I
1: never get that. For those listening in uh, in Tennessee, you know, it's it's, FanDuel's available for you. The, Tennessee's among the 10 states for FanDuel.com. Um, and this was last year when FanDuel was just opening in Tennessee. And you could go on, and they had a prop where it was Derrick Henry to have more than seven yards rushing at the end of the first quarter. This is like Thursday night football props, Paul. Yeah. He had six yards rushing in the first quarter with like two minutes left in the first quarter. And then on his final carry of the quarter, got three yards. He ended up with nine yards at the end of the first quarter. That. And everyone hit. This is supposed to be free money. Yeah, I remember that. And they, that. I mean, it, they nailed it. It's, it's insane how accurate they are with these predictions.
0: When it's something like that, it's, it's almost like the the team is in, <laughs> in with them on it. <laughs> how does that happen where it's that low, right? Crazy. I mean, seven
1: yards. You're thinking, I mean, get that on one carry. Yeah. With the pace he was on.
2: That was... Uh, I, I remember people in the press box were talking about
1: Because <laughs> everybody was in on the free money. I mean, it was just... You sign up and you get to bet this, right? And the max bet was like 50 bucks, so it's putting an extra 50 in your pocket.
0: Yeah, it's like those... If any run is scored at tonight's baseball game, if more than right. two runs are scored, then yeah. people are sitting there hanging on until the end.
1: Well, it's like this week's offer at FanDuel.com for first-time users. FanDuel.com slash OK360. You bet... $5 you can win 120 for just one team to have a touchdown as the Patriots and Buccaneers play on Sunday night.
0: It's an excellent prop. If you haven't signed up already, Chad, as you like to say, what are you doing? Why are you not signed up? We're giving you every reason to sign up. We've given you a ton of reasons to sign up before, but when you hear about free money like this, you take the free money. And that's what you need to do with FanDuel. Brady Uh, Going
1: back to Foxborough, said today everything was handled the right way in his exit from New England. This is him handling those questions the right way this week. Belichick has done the same. Um, I, I was listening. There was a national radio show yesterday discussing if we would see Brady booed or cheered as he took the field. I'm like, this is a topic. This guy is going to be cheered. As he takes the field at Gillette Stadium.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's any. There's I, I no haven't question, heard anybody right? debating this because I, 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 don't think there's I any heard it choice. also.
0: That it was one of these. Um, I was watching SportsCenter Center this morning, but it was after Sports Center went off on ESPN two or whatever. It was one of these debate shows, and it was Bart Scott. Oh. And Bart Scott was talking. First off, he was talking about the awkward exchange coming from Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, and what will happen after the game. Will they look for each other? Will Belichick do his normal drive-by handshake? Uh, is he going to run straight to the, you know will brady run straight to the locker room how is it going to happen that part of it's interesting but then he talked about this divide in the stands and how many people are going to boo and and acted like it's going to be half and half you i don't see that that half the stadium will boo and half it will cheer i don't see that at all now there's going to be in every you put a bunch of people in any place Drunk. and there's going to be contrarians so there are going to be some altercations yeah. in the stands we never see because someone is going to boo Tom Brady and, uh, you know, s- some guy from New Hampshire is going to turn around and punch him or tell him to show some respect. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that going on in the stands, but it's not going to be what three to 5% of the crowd will boo and boo loud if they do, but it's, it's going to be overwhelming eruption of cheers for I, Tom I think Brady. Particularly
2: at uh, introductions. I mean, in, uh, in the, uh, during the game, you know, people, some people might be pissed off at the Patriots, not effectively defending him.
1: Well, this is one of the few, uh, and I brought this up before, um, and we didn't spend a ton of time on it with Julio Jones, but he's a great example. If Julio Jones can't leave a franchise and fans respect what he did, and eventually they will, right? But the topics in Atlanta are this guy's a bum. He he wasn't practicing. He's hurt all the time. Yeah, get rid of him, right? And that was the opposite uh, effect on any team that would have been trading for Julio, but especially here. This was an all-in move for the Tennessee Titans, if Julio Jones can't leave a team and be lauded for his accomplishments immediately, who can?
2: But still, this would
1: be very awkward if he comes back to Gillette Brady. I'm talking about and is booed. Like I, there, to me, that would that is more shocking than even Boston fans cheering on a, 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 a an ex player who's now um, gone on to win a Super Bowl while you've you're eight and eleven since he left.
2: Yeah, and the Julio Jones thing is still different because it was a trade. That was that's, forced, yeah, that's, right, as opposed right. to, to – But he wanted know. out, right? Everybody, he went on national every, TV. Every, the thing is, in New England, everybody knew what was coming because he negotiated no franchise tag in the end. So his last season, they weren't doing the rocking chair tour like you see in baseball, like, like Mariano Rivera did. Um, <clears throat> but there was a year of anticipation that this was going to be the last thing. We were up there for the playoff game where he threw the pick – to Logan Ryan and when we walked out of Gillette Stadium that night I mean the feeling in New England that night was that Tom Brady had just played his last game for the Patriots yeah this wasn't some shocking end of his road there it was a year-long anticipation of uh, you know hey we hope they can work it out and there's still potential but odds are this is his last season that was his last game
1: Tomorrow uh, on the show, Albert Breer will join us. We will dissect this matchup, and uh, you mentioned how we all knew that wildcard matchup, that that was his last game. We'll dive into the whole timeline of the deterioration of the relationship between Brady and Belichick, which was epic and an all-timer. Like, we we will not see the coach-quarterback pairing like that, probably in our generation. Everyone's chasing that, but the dominance that they had together, I don't know if it's repeated by the time we, you know – or well, here.
2: Even if there's anything close to it, it probably doesn't last 20 years, right? Because right. guys, yeah. so don't, la- guys don't last. Yeah, you're 20 right. Years. Absolutely. So you might get 14.
1: Coming up, Chad. Time to preview the SEC weekend. It's there a big are one. great matchups. It is a huge weekend great in the match-ups. SEC. Trey Wallace has done an excellent job riding over the last couple of weeks since he joined Outkick.com. He's our SEC writer for Outkick.com. Trey joins us next on Outkick 360. But first. Aurora Science. you guys know every morning I grab the, the grab-and-go packs, the vitamin C, vitamin D3, it's the delicious. glutathione. Oh, it, it tastes delicious. This vitamin C tastes like Sunny D. It takes me back to my childhood. Um, I want more than one pack when I take this each morning. Glutathione tastes like uh, like a grape juice. Um, that's how I would, like a high C. You remember that back oh, in the yeah, day? absolutely. Uh, the, the very tasty, liquid, which means they're going to digest easier than pill or capsule. I highly recommend going to Vitalifescience.com the number one choice for true liposomal supplements. You can see everything there at Vitalifescience.com. Keep your immune system revved up with Aurora's vitamin C, the most powerful and bioavailable vitamin C supplement on the market. Many people are deficient in vitamin D3 uh, joke on the show from years ago. I had no energy. I lacked energy at the NFL combine, got back, went and got tested at uh, the, the doctor. I was like, look, I have no energy. They're like, you have low D. I said, I've heard that before. He was like, no, the vitamin D. I'm like, oh, how do I how do I take care of that? And he said, you take some supplements. Well, here's Aurora, and, and they will help you with, with everything, delivering your supplements where you need them the most, your body. To order the most powerful leading edge supplements on the planet, go to vitalifescience.com. Vitalife science.com. Vital science.com. Outkick360 listeners receive a 15% discount with the code OutKick360. VitalLifeScience.com. Use the code OutKick360 for fifteen percent off.
0: So when you Trey, let's let's start with the big one, uh, Alabama and Ole Miss. Well, there's really two big ones this week, but I want to start with Alabama, Ole Miss. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the clip of Michael Wilbon and everything he had to say about Lane Kiffin and Lane Kiffin's response. Do you like the Lane Kiffin persona? and the attitude that he brings the SEC, sort of in a different way, a throwback to Steve Spurrier and his attitude and and his personality when he was in the league? And do you think that Ole Miss and this Lane Kiffin coach team has a legitimate chance to go into Tuscaloosa and pull off the huge upset?
3: Hey, Chad, you know, I thought the Wilbon comments were kind of, well, first off, they caught me off guard because I don't know why you have to take a cheap shot at him right now. And his career, if you wanted to talk about him, talk about him eight to 10 years ago. Right now, it seems like he's turned things around pretty well inside of his life and especially at his employer, whether that be at FAU or whether it be now at Old Miss. I think it was kind of a cheap shot. I, I think I, I like what Lane Kiffin is doing. Um, he, it, it's a way to promote his program as well. Every time he pops up on social media or Anytime that, that we're talking about Ole Miss football, you're also thinking about Lane Kiffin. But now, you know, a lot of his attention has been, you know, in a good way. He's put it on recruiting. You know, that whole Instagram thing with following Matt Corral. Or, you know, you look at, I'm sorry, Archie Manning. But then you look at what they've done now with Matt Corral, who is a Heisman contender. You know, I I, I like what Lane Kiffin does. I think it helps the school. I don't think he's out there embarrassing Ole Miss in any way. And that, you know, that leads us to this weekend where, yes, I understand that they're a two-touchdown underdog to Alabama, but when you look at what this offense has been able to do this year, they're leading the country in total offense. They're they're putting up yardage to have them number one in the country when it comes to yards per game. Um, how that translate against an Alabama defense, I don't know yet. I, I, I think that Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin are going to be able to expose Alabama a little bit across the middle that I think you saw Florida do. And I think also if Ole Miss can test Alabama vertically and get them out of their comfort zone, that's gonna set it up where particularly they can maybe run the football. You know, if you go back and look what Florida did against Alabama, you know, it was run the football with the quarterback, which is gonna set up the pass. I think this weekend it's going to be kind of different. You're going to have Matt Corral who's going to get outside the pocket, and then you're also going to be able to, when those plays break down, find guys that are open. And, and a lot of that offense that Lane Kiffin does, it relies on Matt Corral to do those type of things. I think this weekend the matchup is huge, but I think that right now as we look at it, Ole Miss has got a pretty decent shot of beating Alabama. and And we said the – we didn't say the same thing two weeks ago when Alabama went to Florida. We thought, okay, Alabama's going to go take care of Florida, you know, and and and, and get out of there with a win. But it came down to the fourth quarter to the last three minutes. You're looking at a completely different offense this weekend in Ole Miss. And, and I think that should have a couple of Alabama fans scared. Trey,
1: as you well know, Alabama is 81-5 since the start of the 2015 season. And of those five losses – it's the dual threat option at quarterback with a solid foundation in the run for, for many of these teams that have actually had success against Bama. And success can be defined different ways against the Crimson Tide. But in looking at those losses uh, and, and really studying what Florida did, and Kiffin's had a week off to do that, I, I, Ole Miss, I think nationally the perception is with Kiffin, they're, they're going to throw the ball around the field. And they actually run it a lot more than what people may realize with uh, three or four backs that rotate in and out can old miss run the football the same way florida dominated on the ground against alabama
3: jonathan i mean that's going to be tough because you look at what florida you know with with emory jones he is almost a straight up runner before he is a a, a passer uh you look at matt corral and in the way that he's able to space out defense is by two things getting outside the pocket but also, you know, either that with a, you know, running an RPO, something along those lines to get up the field and spread out the Alabama linebackers. I think that's key to me. You mentioned it. Yes, they, they do have a, a, a trio of running backs that are getting the ball over 25 times per game, and they're trying to set that up. You look at what they did against uh, uh, Louisville and Tulane in the run game to try to set up the pass. Maybe we see that this weekend with Lane Kiffin. Maybe he tries to throw a wrinkle. Okay, let's run the football to maybe set up the pass with what Matt Corral can do but yes there there are weak spots in Alabama's defense there's not a lot but there are a few weak spots and and if they can get some traction on the ground you know in first and 10 if they can pick up five yards on the ground four or five yards that's going to give Matt Corral a lot more room to work with when it comes to what they're trying to do even if it's testing Alabama deep on second down knowing that they have a quarterback that can get outside the pocket if a play breaks down and pick up those four or five yards and get the first down.
0: Trey, when I look at Arkansas at Georgia, face value, I think Georgia's going to run away with this. I look at the talent. I look at the amount of five stars in that Georgia roster. I look at two of the best offensive players for Arkansas, a little banged up going into this game. But the one thing that gives me hope for Arkansas is Clemson. Georgia did not bury Clemson, did not completely put them away. And Clemson looks to be – A good, certainly not great team. Maybe Arkansas is closer to great than good. We know Georgia is elite, and I'm putting that a category above great this year. But am I crazy to think that this Razorbacks team, if healthy, at quarterback and receiver with their two-star players, can go into Athens and really give Georgia a close
3: game? Chad, Georgia is overall the number one defense in the country, but... I look at what Arkansas has been able to do when it comes to their run game, but also when it comes to Jefferson, at quarterback and him being able to open it up down the field, throwing the football. There weren't a lot of things that we were expecting out of this Arkansas team this year when it comes to being able to put up a so many points and then be so many yards on offense like we knew their offensive line was okay but we didn't know that they'd be able to run the football with ease like they're doing right now. But also when you get KJ Jefferson in that pocket, I know he's dealing with a little bit of a knee injury that is sustained against Texas A&M, but I still think that he's a big factor for them. If you go and look at who Georgia has played this year, I don't take much out of Vanderbilt. I don't take much out of UAB. You know, Austin Peay, no. Clemson, Okay. Clemson has themselves a a pretty decent defense. I don't think their offense is clicking right now. I think they're having struggles trying to find, you know, get somebody downfield vertically, spread things out offensively across the middle. But when you look at Arkansas and what Kendall Browles is doing right now and and him being able to draw these plays up, you look at what happened last weekend against Texas A&M. They caught them so many times down the field napping, or they got them across the middle. the field napping and what it does is it also sets up that run game Georgia's defense is good they're really good their front seven is strong they're going to come after you third downs are hard to pick up against georgia but i don't think that they're just this huge team that's insurmountable this weekend i think if arkansas plays their cards right on offense and if kendall Brawls can find some weaknesses In that defense, I think this actually is a good game on Saturday. You know, I right now I'm taking Arkansas to cover the spread. And I think this game goes into the fourth quarter. And and I think Arkansas has a shot at this thing. Sam Pittman and them have it rolling. And the biggest thing I'll say too to add about Arkansas, the one thing you don't want to do is give a team confidence. Right now, this team is 4-0, coming off wins against Texas A&M and Texas, who, by the way, put up 70 points this past weekend. I know it was against Texas Tech, but this team is oozing with confidence, heading into a hostile environment for a noon kickoff, which I think helps Arkansas more than it does Georgia. I'm just saying, watch out for the Hogs this weekend. They, they could pull something off in Athens.
1: I'm curious to get your perspective, Trey, on the fact of where Arkansas has been to where they are now. You mentioned the 4-0. They're the talk of the country, really. They're going to be featured nationally with College Game Day and the the number one crew calling that game at 11 a.m. on ESPN. They have the same record as Tennessee since 2010 at 29 and 62. I mean, they've been flat. And then Sam Pittman got there and has them on this roll. Put in perspective for us what Pittman has meant to that program – And do you think Arkansas is ready for this national spotlight? They've been on the periphery. We've been discussing Arkansas, and last week we tuned in quite a bit. But now against Georgia, all eyes on Georgia as they face Arkansas. And if they go and perform well against the Bulldogs, then everyone will be talking.
3: Jonathan, I I think the best thing that Arkansas did was when they hired Sam Pittman. And and I'll try to phrase this the right way. Sam Pittman to me is the CEO of the program and he went out and hired people that can run the football team in the day to day operations. Look Sam Pittman's a football coach, offensive line coach, we understand that. But Sam Pittman had never been a head coach before. What did he do? He went out and got Kendall Browse. He went and got Barry Odom to run his defense. So now you look at two of the main components that are helping him run an organization. One of them has head coaching experience with Barry Odom. So I, I look at the turnaround and, and I know we compare it, you know, you just compared it to where Tennessee was at a certain mm-hmm. time, but I think Arkansas has done a better job at the coaching at starting at the top of delegating responsibilities to the people that are underneath Sam Pittman. And i think that's why you're starting to see success you've got wide receivers buying in you know your quarterback seems to be playing better your offensive line is good these are all small and, and, and even look at the defense with barry odom he's got those guys flying around and in in the top 15 in the country when it comes to third down defense so i look at what arkansas has done to this point and i give a hat tip to sam Pittman, and you're check the ad at, at arkansas for saying okay Let's get the guy in there that we think can run this thing and then let's build down and let's build it with a staff that we know that's complete, that's not going to cause trouble and that has been in the Southeastern Conference before. I think that's why you're seeing success at Arkansas right now. It, 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 it's not because of what Sam Pittman only brings to the table, it's what his hires bring to the table and I think that's what should have Razorback fans excited. So you're not going to be
2: surprised if Ole Miss wins. You say watch out for the Hogs. You're, you're hardly alone on, on this. But Vegas says Alabama by 14 and, or, uh, and Georgia by 18 and a half. So are we all just convincing ourselves because we want to be hyped up for, for a big SEC weekend here?
3: Paul, I don't know if – if Ve- and, and this is – I don't know how, how this is going to sound. I don't know if Vegas – really knows how to put arkansas in a betting line right now um 18 and a half points is a lot to me that that's a lot for the number eight team in the country they beat texas a&m they beat texas so we look at arkansas and we're like wait a minute if they can beat those two teams then they should be potentially able to hang on you know with georgia and make this thing a game and get it to the fourth quarter and have a chance i don't know if if, if the vegas insiders really Understand what this Arkansas football team is right now. Maybe they do, and maybe we find out on Saturday. But 18 points was a lot to me, Paul, and that kind of gave me a little bit of a okay, hold up, let's see what's really going to happen on Saturday, or leading up to it when it comes to injury wise. But I, I, I it, it's hard to put it into perspective on on even the Alabama front. Like we know what Ole Miss's offense looks like. They've been tested once this year, really, against Louisville, Um, and and Alabama's already been tested by Florida. So you look at that line, I I think a good amount of that, Paul, is to answer it simply. Everybody in Vegas knows who Alabama is and what they can do and what they have at quarterback and on offense. I think everybody knows what Georgia has with JT Daniels, their rushing attack, and their front seven on defense. I don't think a lot of people really know what this Arkansas team is yet. And I could say the same thing about Ole Miss. And that's why I think the lines are where they're at right now.
1: Trey Wallace from Outkick has been our guest. Uh, And, uh, Trey, if you don't mind, can you stick with us for another segment as we continue to roll through these games?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because
1: when we come back, I want to go in depth on Florida and Kentucky on what is a great litmus test for the Wildcats at home in the Commonwealth, taking on Florida Saturday at 5 o'clock Central. And then – there are some other games beneath the surface of this SEC weekend, like Tennessee, Missouri, that will tell us a lot about both programs and where they stack up in the SEC East. Trey Wallace from OutKick with us. More of an SEC preview when we return on OutKick 360. Previewing the SEC weekend, we hit the two big ones, Alabama-Ole Miss, Arkansas-Georgia, Trey, let's move to the Commonwealth, Florida and Kentucky. We know Kentucky's offense has playmakers available that can hang with Florida. The question is, can it all come together Saturday at 5 o'clock Central? We have not seen this offense truly click together in a couple of weeks. Can they do it against a very good Gators team that everyone is buying right now?
3: I mean, it's it's been since 1986 since since Kentucky's beaten Florida at home. But I mean, you look at what Kentucky's done. Let's just let's just go last three games. You know, you you beat Missouri, you hang on against Chattanooga, you go on the road. You don't really have a dominant performance against South Carolina. Um, you 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 rush the ball most of the game against the Gamecocks. You get over 140 yards, but you only had 100 yards passing. From from Will Levis and you throw one interception. I, I look at this offense and I think, okay, they add the talent. They they've they've got, you know, they got Mel R- Wendell Robinson. You know, you've got Chris Rodriguez in the backfield, you've got Levis, you've got an offensive line. This is a team that I that I think can can score points if they finally put it all together. But for some reason, over these last three weeks, we have not seen a combined effort from this Kentucky offense. Now, you you look at what Florida has on defense. I think there were times during the Tennessee game last weekend where coverage broke down or, you know, Tennessee found gaps in, in the Florida defense. They were able to run the football. I expect Kentucky to try to do the same thing this weekend. I, I think if Chris Rodriguez, you know, can, can get, you know, 25 attempts in the game, you know, and, and be able to get outside the pocket as well, be able to get outside that zone, run the football, make Kentucky, I mean, I'm sorry, make Florida secondary. You know, work for the play. I think that's the biggest thing because we know Florida is going to bring the pressure on Will Levis. That that's obvious. Um, but how he does in the pocket as well is going to be, to me, if, if, if how long Kentucky can stay in this game. He can't go out there and throw the interceptions, be inconsistent that he has been, you know, recently. But the biggest thing to me is for Kentucky's hanging on to the football. They've had 12 fumbles this season and they've lost six of them. If if Kentucky goes into this game, turns the ball over three or four times, it's a wrap. Florida's going to take care of you. They're going to beat you with Emory Jones. And by the way, Anthony Richardson's back this weekend for the Gators, so that gives them another weapon on offense. But I think this is a Kentucky team. If they're going to take the next step, this team is 4-0 right now, and we talked about Kentucky before the year, that maybe they can create a little bit of chaos in the SEC East this year. If they're finally going to do that, they're finally going to get over the hump, and get that signature-type win, kind of like what they did a few years ago down in Gainesville, then it's got to be this weekend. So I I wouldn't look past this game. I'm looking forward to it. I, I think the environment's going to be good. I think that Kentucky can play with Florida. But the biggest thing in my mind is, how does Kentucky stop the two-headed monster at quarterback for Florida? If you got Emory Jones in, and then all of a sudden here comes Anthony, a healthy Anthony mm-hmm. Richardson, that's going to be tough for Kentucky to stop
0: little fact or fiction time here, Trey, with Auburn and LSU. The winner of this game will absolutely go on to reach expectation from their fan base this year, and the loser of this game will absolutely go on to not meet expectation of their fan base this year. Fact or fiction?
3: Fact. I, I, I Look, LSU is in a little bit of a spot right now. They got T.J. Finley coming back. Uh, to, to play quarterback against them um, at a night game, by the way, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central Time. But this LSU football team, their expectations, you know, it was last, last week and it was like, okay, can LSU go to Mississippi State? And if they don't, do things get out of control? I, I look at the game this weekend and I look at an Auburn football team that struggled against Georgia State. And, and look, Georgia State's a decent sunbelt team, okay? But – Auburn shouldn't have had to struggle with George State. The fact that they had to switch quarterbacks up in the fourth quarter tells you a lot about what Brian Harson's thinking about this offense right now. Couldn't really establish much when it comes to, to a run game. Bo Nix was not giving them much. Kind of the same thing that we saw against Penn State. I mean, there were times that Auburn looked, okay, this team looks pretty decent. you know. But then there were times where, oh, wait a minute, that's the same Bo Nix that we've seen in the past. So I think that's why – you'll probably see the flip at quarterback just to see what T.J. Finley can do going back to LSU, see if he can bring a spark. But I think these fan bases are like, okay, you know, Auburn fan base expects to go down there. And, and, and with T.J. Finley, and you look at LSU right now, they expect to beat LSU with what they have. Because LSU is – I know they played Mississippi State last week, but let's not act like, you know, they beat anybody big. Um, you look at Ed Orgeron and what they're trying to do right now, You've got an Auburn team that's that that that's been tested already on the road. Nothing that can happen Saturday night, in my opinion, will be able to, to, to rattle Auburn. They already went up and played in front of 107,000 people in Happy Valley. I know Death Valley gets crazy, and I'm not taking a shot at LSU fans. What I am saying is I think that team is prepared for when they go on the road. So expectations for a fan-wise, and even with T.J. Finley, potentially starting this weekend i i look at it as if one team's about to go south one team's about to go north and you're going to have a pissed off fan base no matter which one it is so through three games we weren't really sure what tennessee's run success meant
2: uh, against florida it seemed to mean a good deal i mean they managed to run it 37 times at four yards a clip missouri hasn't defended the run very
3: well is, is that where this game starts Hey, Paul, you know, I I think with Tennessee right now, they've got to figure out a way just to run the football. Um, It's highly likely that they'll be down their center, Cooper Mays, this weekend uh, against Missouri. That means they'll probably flip back Jerome Carvin to the center spot. But, look, Tennessee has two running backs, in Tyon Evans and Jabari Small, that should be able to run on this Missouri defense. They're bad, and they're really bad on that front seven. Um, I I think this is something where, you know, Tennessee's expecting to go into Missouri – and rush for over 180 yards and not have to rely on the quarterbacks as much. You know, it it, it is a little concerning to me when it comes to Tennessee's offensive production fall off when it comes to the second half of football games. Um, And and I'd be a little bit worried when it comes to the quarterback spot for Tennessee right now. I think Hendon Hooker gives them the best opportunity to win football games. I think he's going to be healthy by Saturday, healthy enough to go in there and start for the volunteers, we'll see what the, the like Josh Heupel said today, what the physician says tomorrow. But I just look at what Tennessee's going to try to do this weekend, and they better run the football um, because you look at what Boston College did to Missouri last weekend going over for 270 yards. That shouldn't happen. That should not happen to you know a Missouri defense that has a few playmakers, You know even at the linebacker spot, but they can't figure out how to stop the run if they can't figure out to stop the run, Josh Heupel might as well line up and just do it every single play. Don't give your quarterbacks an opportunity to, to for any miscues, anything along those lines. Go in there, ground and pound, and get the win. Tennessee needs it. You know, the same could be said for Missouri, but right now I look at this thing and I think, you know, Missouri's kind of run Tyler Beatty into the ground, and we're five weeks into the season, and Connor Bazelak, to me, You know, he he made two key turnovers last weekend against Boston College. And I think Tennessee's going to try to bring enough pressure on that defensive side, you know, to to make him uncomfortable. So the game plan, yeah, Paul, should be run the football. Trey,
1: we only have a minute left, but I want to get your thoughts on this perspective. I've heard this week this is an extremely important game for Josh Heupel and where he's going to take this program. We heard the same thing about Jeremy Pruitt in the season opener against South Carolina, a game that he won. He ends up getting fired. Uh, So... I won't go that far, but what can be learned about Heupel and his program against this Missouri team on Saturday?
3: That They need to stop experimenting. They need to stop experimenting with different guys on offense. They need to go in there and actually put the guys that they know that are going to be able to produce on the football field. I think you'll see that this weekend. I think you're going to see a switch up when it comes to the wide receivers. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Valis Jones is now going to be starting at the slot position mm. um, at the quarterback. Go with guys that you that you know can win football games. Stop experimenting and rolling in freshmen and sophomores and whatnot. I know the depth is, is shallow, but you need to go in there and win this game. And, and this is key too, and I'll end it with this. This is big because if they don't beat Missouri, You're coming back to play a South Carolina team that's just bad, and you're probably going to do it in front of 65,000 people. And then, by the way, Lane Kiffin comes to town the next weekend, and that, you know, good luck trying to stop that offense.
1: Trey Wallace with Outkick.com, SEC writer, uh, great columns uh, daily. You can go and and read his work there. Also, follow him on Twitter, at Trey Wallace underscore. Trey, thank you as always, man. Let's catch up next week and preview week five.
3: Guys, y'all have a great weekend down in Tuscaloosa. I appreciate it. Thanks, it, Trey. Man. Thank you.
1: Trey Wallace has been our guest. Uh, excellent, excellent uh, previews there from Trey.
3: I, I would
0: also say on, on the flip side of that Tennessee-Missouri game, mm-hmm. it's an important game for Missouri. I mean, they're off to a disappointing start. They got pushed to the limit by Central Michigan to open. I think they played well for what the way they played the rest of the way at Kentucky yep. in a relatively close loss. They lose to Boston College. They're 2-2. Two and two. There was a lot of buzz around Eli Drinkwick's Connor Basilak this offseason, maybe a seven- or eight-win team. Their goal was to finish third in the SEC East. That doesn't look like it's going to happen. To lose to Tennessee at home in year one for Josh Heupel, there's some pressure on Missouri. If they're going to reach any of their expectations this year or even get bowl eligible, I think they're going into the game the same way. And for Tennessee, you're kind of looking at, like, hey, if you can't beat Missouri – the rest of the schedule, you're right. looking it's, at four or five wins at best at, and not six wins exactly. at that point.
1: You're looking at more of the same of what we've seen. I mentioned Sam And Pittman. I think
0: Missouri's saying the same thing if they lose this game.
1: Arkansas and Tennessee have the same record since 2010 at 29 and 62. 14 of those 29 wins for Tennessee over that time frame have been against Vandy or Kentucky. So if you lose to Missouri, you're, you're lumped in, right? Yep. That's just how it is uh, and what's a big game coming up for the Tennessee Volunteers. Coming up to kick off the second hour, some NFL headlines, and Armando Salguero joins the program. We'll preview week four across the National Football League next on Outkick 360.